You're listening to The Living Word with Danny Hodges of Calvary Chapel Fellowship in St. Pete. Blasphemy of the Holy Spirit is when you're rejecting the witness of the Spirit and pointing you to the only Savior that can save you, Jesus Christ. That's the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. You resist that witness, you can't be saved. That's the only thing you can't be forgiven of. It's Jesus Christ. If you reject Jesus Christ, don't receive Him as Lord and Savior, how can you be saved? That's the only way to be saved. But any other sin I'm capable of committing as a Christian except that sin. There's only one sin that is unforgivable to the Father. It's not murder, theft, or any other evil acts. In the Bible, there was many individuals who committed those crimes and were still considered faithful before the Lord. Pastor Danny will teach you today that the one unforgivable sin is the rejection of Christ. If you resist the witness of the Holy Spirit, you can't be saved. This is blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. Any other sin, no matter how horrible it is in man's eye, can be forgiven by your Father. Now here's Pastor Danny in the book of 1 Peter chapter 4 with today's edition of The Living Word. To me, it's a loose translation of Jesus saying, Verily, verily, I say unto you. Truthfully, truthfully, I say unto you. He says to Peter, Peter says, I'll die with you. I'll never disown you. Peter, here's the truth. It is what it is. Tonight, you're going to deny me three times. Thank God Peter repented and became a Rocky for heaven. I'm going to make a statement that I believe is biblical. A Christian, a true child of God, a true child of God, I believe can commit any sin that they committed before they became a Christian, before they became a child of God, except one. And it's called the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. Blasphemy of the Holy Spirit is when you're rejecting the witness of the Spirit and pointing you to the only Savior that can save you, Jesus Christ. That's the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. You resist that witness, you can't be saved. That's the only thing you can't be forgiven of. It's Jesus Christ. If you reject Jesus Christ, don't receive him as Lord and Savior, how can you be saved? That's the only way to be saved. But any other sin I'm capable of committing as a Christian, except that sin. And so our text says, if you suffer, it should not be as a murderer. You mean a true child of God can can commit murder? Ask Moses. What a foolish thing he did. He's a great man of faith in the Bible, but he didn't start out that way. He made a foolish, stupid decision and killed an Egyptian that was beating a Hebrew. And you know what? He suffered for 40 years. But thank God, at the end of those 40 years, God had him now on the right track. And the Bible says after that 40 years, he was the most humble man on the face of the earth. Before, he was proud. Grew up in the palace, king's palace. Was a man who knew how to get things done. And so what he did, he did naturally, but it was in the flesh. It was a foolish thing, and he suffered for 40 years for it. Just ask David. King David sends for Bathsheba, has an adulterous relationship with her. She gets pregnant. He tries to cover it up, can't cover it up. So he has Uriah the Hittite, one of his own mighty men, who is Bathsheba's husband, killed on the battlefield. He's a man after God's own heart. And he made a stupid mistake. And it cost he and his family the rest of his life pain. He was forgiven by God. He was forgiven. But Nathan the prophet said, because of this, the sword will never depart from your house. Don't miss that. That's not saying God made things happen negatively in his family. It's a bit mysterious, but David's sin had 
a domino effect in this family. One of his sons raped one of his daughters. Later, the full-blood brother, two years later, killed the half-brother that did this. I mean, you just have problem after problem after problem. But it started with David's mistake. He was forgiven. But there were consequences. If you suffer, it should not be as a murderer. There are genuine born-again believers in prison right now because they made a stupid mistake and killed somebody. And they're truly saved. Or any other kind of criminal. Sometimes it's translated male factor, but the Greek word simply means an evildoer. And there's where you can fill in the blank for anything else. Awful quiet. I've been a pastor in the same place for 30 years, and I've seen a lot. I've seen a lot. I've seen people who really know the Lord. Men who really know the Lord. Who pick up the prostitute and get their mug out there for everybody to see. I mean men who really know the Lord. I've seen Christians who have gone out and had one too many and then got in the car. And the least of it is they got the DUI or they got thrown in jail. The worst of it is they hurt somebody else or hurt some one in that car or hurt someone with their car. There are Christians in prison right now because they killed somebody with their vehicle because they shouldn't have been driving and they shouldn't have been drunk. Listen, I'm not talking self-righteously. Don't you misunderstand. But by the grace of God, there I go. But by the grace of God, there I go. Do you understand what God's saying so practically to us? Suffer, but suffer in the will of God. Don't suffer for stupidity. Don't suffer for a stupid mistake. God's given us a whole book of examples of men and women of God who've made mistakes, and God's given us the record so that we might not make those same mistakes. Samson, here he is, a man in the hall of faith of Hebrews 11, and he had a one-night stand with a prostitute, a man of God. I want to give you one more story. You're welcome to turn to it, or you can just listen. Numbers chapter 22, it's one of my favorite stories in the Bible. But unfortunately, it does not have a pleasant ending. If you just read this part of the story, you would think it had a good ending. The Israelites are traveling through the wilderness on their way to the promised land. God is defeating mighty armies uh, before them. And the Moabites hear about the Israelites, and they're headed toward Moab. And so to try to save themselves, they hire the services of a sorcerer named Balaam. Balak, the prince of Moab, sends his princes to Balaam, and God reveals himself to Balaam and says, don't go with these guys. And they come with money to pay for his services, but God says, don't go with them. And so Balaam says, God said, God of Israel said, I can't go with you. So they go back to Balak. Balak sends more distinguished princes and a bigger blank check and comes back to Balaam. And here's what Balaam says. Stay here tonight, and I'll see what else God might say. Now, if you don't read it carefully, you'll think God changed his mind. Because that night, verse 20 says, God came to Balaam and said, Since these men have come to summon you, go with them, but do only what I tell you. Did God change his mind? No. Read the next verse. Balaam got up in the morning, saddled his donkey, and went with the princes of Moab. But God was very angry when he went. 
So why does God say in verse 20, go ahead and go with them? Because God, if you're determined, if you're determined, if I'm determined to go away that's out of the will of God, when God has said, don't go with them, don't go that direction. But if I'm determined I'm going to go, God will let me go in order to try to teach me a lesson. Because if I go that path, that is not the path of blessing. That's the path of pain, but pain outside of the will of God. And God's going to allow me to suffer going my own way to try to teach me that is not the way to go. Balaam goes. Then the angel of the Lord stood in a narrow path, verse 24, between two vineyards. Or, I'm sorry, verse 23. When the donkey saw the angel of the Lord standing in the road with a drawn sword in his hand, she turned off the road into a field. Balaam beat her to get her back on the road. Then the angel of the Lord, which, by the way, is Christ in the Old Testament. This is Christ. The angel of the Lord stood in a narrow path between two vineyards with walls on both sides. When the donkey saw the angel of the Lord, she pressed close to the wall, crushing Balaam's foot against it. So he beat her again. Then the angel of the Lord moved on ahead and stood in a narrow place where there was no room to turn, either to the right or to the left. Now he's cornered. When the donkey saw the angel of the Lord, she lay down under Balaam, and he was angry, and he beat her with his staff. And then the Lord opened the donkey's mouth. I never get over this. And she said to Balaam, what have I done to you to make you beat me these three times? You just imagine this donkey talking. But that's not the most humorous part about it. The, the most humorous part is Balaam begins to have a conversation with his donkey. Balaam answered the donkey, you made a fool of me. If I had a sword in my hand, I'd kill you right now. And the donkey says to Balaam, am I not your own donkey? which you've always ridden to this day. Have I been in the habit of doing this to you? And you can see Balaam thinking for a minute. Well, as a matter of fact, no. (laughs) And then verse 31, the Lord opened Balaam's eyes. Listen to me. Listen to me. That's what needs to happen here before we leave. The Lord opened Balaam's eyes, and he saw the angel of the Lord standing in the road with the sword drawn, so he bowed low and he fell face down. The angel of the Lord asked him, Why have you beaten your donkey these three times? I have come here to oppose you because your path is a reckless one before me. In other words, I'm trying to save you from your stupidity. I'm trying to direct you on the right path, and you're headed the wrong direction. If you read the whole story of Balaam, Balaam confesses that it is sin. Balaam is actually anointed by the Holy Spirit, and he prophesies in the name of the Lord. But the New Testament tells us that Balaam never really repented. It says he loved the wages of wickedness, and he ended up destroyed. 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 Don't let that happen to you. The Apostle Peter's first letter encouraged the lives of believers spread far and wide, forced from their home due to their devotion to Jesus. Today, though you may not be facing the same kind of persecution, there will be people that oppose your message of hope. The enemy wants you to be silent, but your story and the grace of Jesus just can't be kept silent. Don't hide Jesus from people. Live Him out in your daily life and proclaim His praises wherever you go. Thanks for tuning in today for Pastor Danny's teaching on the Living Word. 
If you'd like to hear more of his messages from this series on the book of 1 Peter, visit ccfstpete.church. Feel free to download or share the teachings you find from the Living Word, or visit our YouTube channel. There you can immerse yourself in our weekly services. We'd encourage you to subscribe to our YouTube channel too. That way you'll be notified as soon as we post anything new. If you're in the St. Petersburg area, we'd love to meet you. Join us at Calvary Chapel Fellowship on Saturday at 6 p.m. or Sunday at 9 or 11 a.m. for a time of worship and Bible study. Find out more about Calvary Chapel Fellowship at our website, ccfstpete.church. If you can't join us in person, we do offer a live stream of our weekend services. Just visit the website and click the link in the menu. Thanks for tuning in today to The Living Word.